Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions you want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirija Shamal, and each episode I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, I'll be asking top questions that have been submitted by students on the CareerView website who are interested in a career as a physiotherapist. Joining me today is physiotherapist Jason Wong, who works between a professional clinic and his own startup, JW Physio. Jason in this interview shares honestly what goes beyond the role of being a physio and how it requires skills that are typically not listed on paper or on a job ad. He has a lot of great advice. So let's hear from him. All right. And we're back for another episode on Career View. I have Jason here with me, our physiotherapist. Jason, how's your weekend been? Yeah, it's been really good. Really good. Just nice and relaxing after a big week of work. Yeah, yeah, as usual. And I can imagine your work week is very intense. So mm. what'd you get up to this weekend? This weekend has been a few sort of family events. We've had sort of church in the morning, a couple of commitments with friends and, and that this weekend as well. Excellent. It's really good to have that balance in work and then spending time with family and friends as well. So mm. Jason, once again, happy to have you here. Really happy to have you here because, you know, we got some great questions for you asked by students. But before we jump into those questions, the first thing I want to know, from yourself is what kind of specialization are you as a physiotherapist and why did you get into this field? Yeah. So as a physiotherapist at this stage, I'm only first year out. I'm about 10 months down the line. And so it's quite general at this stage. So I'm practicing quite generally, trying to get a little bit of every different part of physio. So there's so many things you can see in private practice being like, you can see chronic pain, you can specialize in upper limb, lower limb and whatnot. So for me at this stage, it's about learning and just, yeah, getting as much experience as I can. Fantastic. And why did you go down this road? What inspired you to become a physiotherapist? For me, I came out of school just wanting to work with people. I knew I wanted to work with people mm. and uh, I enjoyed sports as well. So I was a big sports person, loved my f- soccer or football as some call it. Me, so more so football. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, I just enjoyed sports and I love people. So naturally, I just sort of went down this path of physio didn't realize how much I'd fall in love with it. And just like, you sort of find your niche, I think in, in what you end up doing. Fantastic. So that worked out really well, you know, combining sports, combining people, Mm. coming down to that decision. And then during your time studying, you found that even more enjoyable to know that this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. And actually, funnily enough, I sort of through, through studies, you just kind of do it, you know, it's, Mm. you're not really thinking. And for me, it was uh, just, just, Doing study almost like school for the sake of doing the study, not realizing how important it would be for my end goal or my career. It was only this last year that I stepped out of study that I thought, okay, now I have to really push myself in the workplace and and I have to apply these things. I found that I grew the most. Fantastic. Now, that sounds great, Jason. And now jumping into the top questions asked by students when it comes to a career path of a physiotherapist. First question that we have for you is, what is a brief day in your life? So a day in the life of a private practice physio can vary quite a lot. The weeks can be split up based on what shifts you're doing. So private practice is usually like a morning, like a 7 to 2, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 12 to 7 p.m. sort of thing. Usually you have a space before hours and after hours so that people can come visit. For me, uh, at the moment, I'm juggling two practices. And so 
So I'm working for Body Logic Physio and also my own business, JW Physio. And so between the two, I might do, at the moment I'm working a bit overtime, I'm doing a bit of a seven to 10, say at Body Logic. Mm-hmm. And then I jet off to my practice where I do 12 to 7. Wow. Okay, so that's a very packed day. Yes. Um, is that something common for you, you to do your own practice in, in the physio world? A lot of people do end up doing that. Okay. I think a lot of people like to work first and figure out what they want to do and then branch into it. I was very fortunate that I had um, mentors and people in my previous workplace that helped me to step into my own practice. And one of my mentors really just pushed me into that. Yeah. Fantastic. And just coming back to, you know, your day in the life, can you break it down a little bit in detail, what the morning does look like for yourself? What is the, some of the tasks that you do? And then even later to the day when the, in your private practice, what does that actually involve? Just to give a very clear visual to our listeners out there. Sure. So for instance, at a seven to 10 at Body Logic, you'd rock up 15 minutes before, maybe 6.45. If you're running late like me, maybe seven. And then you'd, I open the, the doors there. I'll be there, you know, seeing patients if as whoever's booked in, typically half hour, hour appointments, hour for initials, half an hour for the follow-ups with the options for other appointments as well. They will come through. You'll see them sort of back to back for those three hours that you're there. You've got notes to do at the same time, sort of, I figure out a way to do the notes while I'm with the patient with as many breaks as you sort of need during. You might have a 20 minute, 30 minute break, but you can always speak to reception and they can put that in as you need in the morning. Come 10 o'clock, we'll finish up there, wrap up, everything sort of leave the room ready for the next next uh, practitioner to come through. Then I'm off home, sort of quick lunch, coffee yep. or whatnot, mm. and then off to Mount or my other place of work yep. for a 12 to 7, same similar shift. Okay. Seeing patients back to back with as much breaks really as you, as you need. Yeah. Although once you step into commission, which is more patient-based mm-hmm. salary, then you obviously want to see as many as you can. As you can. Yeah. Very clear, very clear and very interesting. Sounds, once again, a very packed schedule. Yeah. So um, it's good that this weekend you had some time off and, and spending time with family. Moving on to the next question that we have for you, Jason, asked by students is, how did you decide on what specialisation you wanted to focus in physio? Sure. The first decision I think I had to make was either I wanted to go private or public. So whether you want to work in a private practice or you want to work in hospital. I had done some work experience in hospital before. I'd also done work experience in private, but me being that sort of, I, I like to be free with patients and mm. um, I love the autonomy that you see in private practice. And so that's what steered me into that, yeah, that, that realm. And then I loved it even more when I did it. And yeah. I um, just loved having a chat with patients and treating them the way you want to treat them. And it can be as formal or informal as you want with your patient. I guess so long as you're, I think for me, giving them that quality service and it's what the goal is, you can still talk to them and be friends with them. Fantastic. So that work experience that you got doing both was really pivotal in terms of making that decision. Absolutely. I think, yeah, from the get go, getting some experience, whether you can, and people are happy for you to shadow. So if you step out, you ask, you just contact what I did. I just contacted all these places, just sent out tens and tens of emails to hospitals, to private practices, even ones I thought I wouldn't be able to get. And I actually found now those decisions to do that actually built up and allowed what's happening now. Yeah. Like if I hadn't have done this, I hadn't have reached out there, mm. I wouldn't be, you know, have the opportunities that I have now. Fantastic. And that's such great advice for our listeners out there, not just doing your studies, but being able to get that work experience and putting yourself out there, writing emails to things that you might not even get an opportunity for, mm. but clearly how important it is and pivotal and critical to essentially make those really important career decisions once you finish. So great advice there, Jason. I really like that. Next question that we have for you is, did you struggle to land a job after completing your degree? For me, I was quite fortunate. I think the the private practice community, it's quite, there's ample jobs out there. 
in hospital is a little bit harder to find a job. It's a bit more competitive. So they obviously value a lot of those, especially so if you are looking to go down that hospital pathway, it's better to have a bit of experience first as well and have shadowed or have been a volunteer. Mm -hmm. So I did volunteer work at St. John of God, Mount Lawley, and that was what my sort of work experience there. And I definitely found that taking all the volunteer opportunities I could was was so beneficial yeah but as for private practice it's there, there's lots of jobs out there you just need to find the place that's right for you i think mm-hmm. is the hard part okay uh, yeah and you can easily fall into a trap of just trying to take the first one out and being really excited about your first job offer right but it's about finding which one is suited to you the way they practice the mentorship and and all the things that you need to tick off understandable and so you were very selective when you came down to your time in terms of deciding where you want to go what was the criteria for you that made it sense, made sense for you to actually pursue that place to work. Yeah. For me, uh, I think PD was a huge part. So professional development and me learning because I love to learn. I think that, as I said, when I stepped out of uni, I went, wow, I need to know my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know something. So I then sought out places that could offer me that. And I felt found mentorship to be the biggest thing for me. Okay. Structured and unstructured. Mm-hmm. Structured being, say, formal, one-on-one time hour a week with your mentor and then unstructured being say like just casual chit chat in, in and amongst patients or whatnot. And then, yeah, so my first place of work really offered that and I was mm. very excited to be in that. I wanted to be in a smaller practice mm. where I could get that experience and not be a small fish in a too big of a pond. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That's fantastic and great insights once again because sometimes you just initially leap at the first opportunity that you find because it's, hey, it's exciting, I got a job. But just reminding yourself to pull yourself back, be very selective in that sense if you have those options and to know where do you want to build your career because the people around you definitely shape exactly what kind of person you want to be in that role. Just coming back to the whole application, I mean, to the process of landing a job, what kind of process did you use to actually apply for the job? Was it just a matter of sending an email, going on a recruitment agency? Like what was the method for you? So to find a job, I you can go via Seek, you can um, search up places there and it's always good to keep track of that. What I did was a bit more of an old fashioned way and actually my employers said later on that they really appreciated that. So I had all my resumes printed out. I think I had about 10, 15. I just printed out a lot of them and I just drove around to all mm. the private practices in the suburbs that I liked. So the suburbs that I liked and where I or just good practices in general, I would go in and ask for the manager or ask for the boss and try to introduce myself so that I had a face to, to see yeah. and put a name to. And then I'd drop in my resume. I'd actually go in if the manager's not there or if, say they're with a patient, I'd offer to come back in 10, 15 minutes. And so I'd go on the other ones and drop in the resumes. This first practice that I ended, actually ended up working for, I had one resume left mm. and I just thought, oh, screw it, I'll just pop it into this place. Yeah. And I walked in, <laughs> yeah, and just gave it in. And they were lovely, you know, like yeah. the, you, you can sense straight away what the culture is like and what the people are like. Yeah. And so, yeah, they invited me back for that interview and it went from there. Fantastic. And I really commend that because it is an old fashioned method. (laughs) But one thing is very appreciated because they get to see you and not just that they get to see you and understand who you are and knowing that you're very proactive in the sense of giving a resume, you get to feel what kind of the space is, you know, what are the people like? And that's equally important. And it's a different experience applying on Seek, right? It's quickly online. You do it online, you send your application through. So great insights there again, Jason. Next question that we have for you asked by students is, what is the most challenging aspect of the role that no one tells you about at school? Hmm. I would say, as I've touched on already, that finding that first clinic, I think that's a big challenging aspect of getting into that profession is, is deciding where you want to go firstly, because too often than not, people will just select a the first practice that comes. And then I see a lot of my friends that might end up dissatisfied or unhappy with yeah, their, their workplace. 
And so that's the first step. And then I find also client facing. So facing people. And we're obviously in a profession where I deal a lot with people that you see people for 20, 30 minutes at a time on and off throughout the whole day. So that can be quite draining in itself. Definitely some patients might take it out of you a bit more than others. And so you're just managing that and not being too run down emotionally and that sort of thing is is a big challenge. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you've just got admin and say the notes and staying on top of those things as well, because a lot of private practice physios will end up doing their notes when they go home. So you'll, you'll work your shift time, then they go home and spend an hour or two finishing up notes or exercise programs or letters. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, and it's probably double for you because you do both. You do private and you also run your own kind of physio clinic in that sense, right? So my question is, do you get burnt out? Because this sounds like a very hectic schedule with the tasks in terms of the challenging aspect of being, you know, facing clients all the time, doing the administrative work. Is that a case for you all the time or? I would definitely say that you have to just be monitoring and be careful of how overworked you do start to feel. Um, I I go through ups and downs. You go through patches where you do and when you don't. And important to know that you also go through a lot of imposter syndrome. You, there's often, often, you know, in the past for me, two weeks, I've been feeling like that. You, being in a new workplace, I just started that new job. You go through ups and downs, but you've got to be honest with yourself and with your mm. boss. And, and that's where you can be vulnerable and yet grow, mm. in my opinion. So back to your question about being burnt out. Yes, you do get burnt out, but you can manage that how you want based on what shifts you want to take. It's a conscious decision of mine um, at the moment to sort of stick it out for a period of time, yep. but I will chop and change as I need to go. Excellent. No, good. And it's important to, I think it's vital for people to know and our listeners to be aware of the fact that burnout's real and being aware of it is very important mm. and finding the right proactive measures to make sure that you can limit that. But I think it's that self-awareness in any career that we explore on career view is that mm. we find that burnout is very common across yes. every single profession. Yes. So that awareness is very important and obviously, yeah, doing the right things to make sure you can balance it. So So interesting there. Next question that we have for you, Jason, asked by students is, what did you find surprising when you first started working? I found in in private practice physio, the most surprising thing was actually the autonomy that you have. You think you've got a lot, but you really do have a lot. Mm. (laughs) Patients will come in and, you know, you can talk to them how you want. You know what I mean? Unless you're in a practice where you've got your boss sitting in 24-7. It's just very as casual or as I said, casual or, or formal as you want it to be. You can treat how you want to treat. And yeah, and I, I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. Okay. You've just got to be yeah managing that. What's yeah. the bad thing about it? So the bad thing could be where you get into bad habits, for, for instance. If you're at a practice where you're not getting that mentorship, mm-hmm. let's say, and you're just put into a room with a patient and then you get into those habits of just, oh, I can cut corners here, I can cut corners there, mm-hmm. which happens quite a bit in private practice and it's very understandable. Yeah, that can start to happen, but yeah. as long as you're just trying to continue to learn and if you've got – I would actually advise people sitting in or, or mentors and I've asked my mentor to or my boss to sit in with mine. Yeah. So that they're constantly critiquing and you're getting advice and feedback, but definitely that's stuck in a room, four walls with a patient, yeah. back to back to back. You can also develop a bit of uh, a false sense of confidence, sure. thinking that you're you know, doing everything you can, but you might be cutting corners here and there. And having that critical feedback by someone who has more experience is very important. Absolutely. And I would assume that the good aspect is the fact that you can be quite casual and you can speak in a way that is relatable and people to be really liking you in that interaction when that one-on-one happens. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's a big thing in private. You tailor almost, and it's not in a manipulative way or at all, but it's you tailor your approach to different patients depending on who they are and their age and the demographic. So yeah, that's a very, really good, nice flexibility. Yeah. And just a side question. It feels like this is a very social job, right? Like you need to be, you're interacting with people all the time. Do you find that this kind of role requires some sort of kind of 
extrovert personality or do you see introverts in this role as well? Just out of curious, because you seem very, you know, very interactive, very engaging with people. What is your thoughts on that? I think in private practice, there is absolutely a role for everyone. And that's not just me trying to sell it. I do think that it is more suited to an extrovert and those that like to socialize, that don't feel too drained by, if you can imagine, by seeing patients, like mm. 15 patients a day. But again, th- those more, the quieter physios or the more book smart or the ones that just like to get their job done and are very good at their job. Absolutely. There's patience for them. Some patients don't want to chat to everybody. And I definitely have some patients that come through and I'm chat, chat, chat. And then I realize that they don't want to have that chat. And so definitely you can find your own demographic. And as a private practice physio, you build a clientele that is similar to the ones that you want to see. Yeah. Excellent. Very insightful. Once again, Jason, I like it. Next question that we have for you is how hands-on is the job? Yeah, I think as little or as much as you sort of want um, in line with the autonomy you can. And also it's very much based around your clinic that you're at, Mm -hmm. how they like to practice. Some are more hands on in terms of physically as a, you delve into all the different ways you can practice as a physio. But yeah, I like to personally target it around exercise based interventions. So you're still very hands on in the the way of client facing. You're, You're with a patient, you're very involved in their management, but in terms of literally hands on, it's mostly exercise based with hands on approaches as you need or as an adjunct. Fantastic. I like it. I think that's pretty clear in that sense because it's important for, we've had a lot of questions on how hands-on is the role because um, there is sometimes this perception in any kind of career, is it just behind a desk or is it that you're actually meeting around, you're moving around, you're interacting with people. So it seems very clear, at least with what you do, it is pretty engaging. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, The only thing I'd say is it's client facing. So it's very hands-on with the patient, but with other clinicians, you can definitely go days where you're seeing patients back to back and you actually don't you're not in touch with the rest of the clinicians there or the reception. You just pop in and out. Mm. So the main interactions are just with patients, really. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I like it. Next question that we have for you and one of our most popular questions we get on CareerView is, does your role have steady pay? And also just to explore on this topic about pay, please, if you could share a little bit about details in the role that you do, what does the pay structure look like? Sure. Yes. So physiotherapy in private practice is very dependent. It can be either on commission or on salary. So there are different subgroups of that. You can get retainers where you're on almost a base level. I know there are some practices that will have a retainer and then you get commission, but if you don't make that that amount, then they will top it up to that amount. But then that sort of adds up over time. Yeah, sort of it adds up over time of how much you're in almost you owe them so that when you reach over that, when your commission's over that retainer, right, they will bring it back and take that money off. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's yeah. If, yeah, maybe give us an example then uh, of some figures of what that could be, right? For example, a retainer could sit at 70000 So if you're on commission, so a commission basis would be a percentage of what each patient pays. Okay. Let's say they pay $100, for mm-hmm. example. You get and commission in physiotherapy private practice is usually around the 40% mark okay. plus sort of a 10% super. So you get about 40% of that 100 so $40 plus 10% super, yep. and you add that up, say, over the week. Mm-hmm. If the weeks or so, that, if that equates to an annual salary of, of 70K, yeah. then you just get the 70K. If it's over it, they will pay you that amount that you, you make over, or that total amount. Right. If it's under it, they will top that up to 70. Okay. But they keep track of how much you, know, you make. How much um, you make. How much, how much you're under. Right. So that the next week, if you're over, they will take that off. Makes sense now. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, so that's one example of it. That's the retainer. Mm. I personally, I'm on, I started on salary and I would personally, I'd recommend 
physiotherapists starting out in private to be on salary. It's a little mm. bit more stable mm-hmm. and that's just a, a base hourly rate. Mm-hmm. You can get salary plus commission in some cases as well. But for me, it was, a I was, there's between, it's usually ranges between 55 and sort of 70. I was just around, I was around the 70 end of that, but yeah. I did pro rata to my 56 part-time hours that I did at my first practice. Okay. So it equated to would be about 56 thousand and then i was on the side of that just starting up that my own business at the moment when you run your own it's it's a room rental fee that i pay yeah so i was very fortunate again that i had a mentor that helped me so he's given me just a good rate on my room percentage wise and then eventually it becomes a per hour pay rate per hour pay rate fantastic and you've been out for a year at the moment and that's ballpark some of the figures that you're earning and what does the progression look like now in your private practice and also in your personal business that you have yeah, so I'm looking to build up. So at the moment, I will uh, I'll be doing yeah my body logic practice, and that's uh, three to four days a week. And then I'll be working my own business two to three days. And I think running your own practice, obviously, it's better better value, yeah. um, pretty much, and for money there. Mm-hmm. So that's the ideal, and that's sort of where I would be looking to push um, income. Mm-hmm body logic and and just gaining experience that's what i'm going to do to gain experience and that's where i want that you've got to be careful if you do step out and do your own thing that you're do, you are getting that mentorship because yeah. i think that's so important mm. just to continue learning people say that you learn the most in the first year as you come out of as physio yeah but i you know why not learn every year after that the exact same amount or more like doesn't need to be that first year so i think just continue to seek the mentorship and yeah i'm still living at home at the moment so yeah it's good to i'm not so worried about that the finances and everything. Okay, right. Understandably. And yeah, once again, an important question here when it comes to money and it comes to salary. And you've got a very interesting situation here that you run your own practice. And to know that, um, yeah, essentially it's an important it's important area to talk about because what I want to say is that, you know, money is very important in the sense that I guess my question here is, do you feel like right now where you're at in terms of what you're earning does it allow you to live the lifestyle that you want? And for you, Jason, what does that mean? And what does that kind of work for you right now? I would say living at home, having minimal expenses overhead, you know, mm. you still pay for your, your day-to-day costs, your, your fuel, your car, your petrol and all of that and your bills. I do pay a board to mum as well, just out of, yeah, uh, my own, I decided to as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely sustainable for a good lifestyle, you know, like I enjoy a good weekend as well and good food and, and doing that sort of thing. So yes, I'd say as long as you're, yeah, obviously smart with, with savings and that working in private practice physio can definitely support that sort of lifestyle. Lifestyle. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I like it. Last question that we have for you, Jason, asked by students is what do you find rewarding about the role? The, again, I think I've said it a fair bit. The most the rewarding thing for me is autonomy. That freedom, particularly in my own business, but also, yeah, with in other businesses and practices, mm. you can help people. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is I truly wanted to help people. I think if you enjoy working with people and you enjoy helping people and also problem solving as well, mm. it's a huge plus working in private, in private physio. So often I see two good, empathetic, really smart private practice physios that end up working in hospital and I, <laughs> I want to bring them back. But yeah, yeah I think... And particularly in your own business, you can you can treat patients how you want to. Maybe you can do extra stuff and just not charge them for that, or you can do this and that, and it's not yeah. That and that's the freedom of it. Yeah. But I think helping people first and foremost, and that that autonomy to do that is good. I found chronic pain is starting to become a big interest of mine because they come to you with so many ailments and with mm. so much potential for mm. improvement yeah. that intrigues me. 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah, helping people. Very exciting. And I'm sure you're going to do extremely well in the future. And only being a year out as well, Jason, you've got so much to share. And more importantly, that wraps up all the questions that we have for you today. For our listeners who have more questions for Jason that did not feature on our list today and would like to connect with him, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. This is where you'll find Jason's profile and you can send him more questions and I'm sure he'll be happy to answer them. And with every episode, please don't forget to submit the questions that you want to know, especially to young professionals who have been there and they've done that and they can share their experiences. Jason, just want to say once again, thank you so much for being here. Before you go, I want to ask one last thing. Yes. And I want to know, is there any advice that you could share with students right now that may be thinking, is physio the right career choice for them in terms of pursuing this as a full-time gig and as a lifestyle for them in the future? What would you have to say to them? I would absolutely advise them to go out and seek the opportunities. Go and do some volunteer experience, whether that's in hospital or private practice, or even if you want to have a chat with myself, I am more than happy to help students to figure out if this is for them. I'm happy to answer as many questions as they need. I think it's so important people, kids don't get enough experience and they don't get told enough about their potential career opportunities because it's a big decision. And it's not that it's the be all end all that you're stuck in it, but... uh, Definitely put yourself out there and just open doors that you don't think will lead anywhere now and you never know what it might lead to. So do that and get in touch with me if you need. Jason, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Neil.